You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. I want to start a brand new series this morning entitled uh, The Ministry of Encouragement. How many of you like to be encouraged? All right, we'll change up. We'll do something else here. How many of you like to be encouraged? Come on. All right, good deal. Uh, And I'll go ahead and I'm going to tell you the punchline before we even get started here. Scripture tells us that we are to take courage. It also tells us that we are to give courage. And today I want to talk a little bit about giving courage and the importance of courage. Um, We believe that the Lord has prompted us that the year 2010, that is about halfway over, if you can believe it, um, is to be a year of growth. And that's personal growth, and that's spiritual growth, that's individual growth. That's also corporate growth in many different levels. And God's doing that in all kinds of ways that we never had any idea of what he would be doing for the sake of his people, for his kingdom, and and on a million different levels individually. It's a wonderful thing. But I will tell you this about growth and what God has wanted to do and the times that we live in. It takes courage, courage. I didn't think about it till just before first service, but I wish I'd gotten a video clip of the cowardly lion. Uh, maybe I'll get it for next week where he talks about courage and I'm not even going to endeavor to do that. But our big word today is courage. Would you, would you go ahead and say that with me this morning? Courage. Say it like you have some courage this morning. Courage. All right. Good deal. And, um, It's important that we have courage. These times, these days, life, the events that we live in, um, they can discourage you, discourage you. And the word discourage actually has to do with to take courage out of you. So this little three letter prefix here, dis, when you attach it at the front of courage, it represents the fact that it's Something happens, somebody does something, you do something, whatever, that causes discourage, that it takes courage out of you. And we need courage so bad. Have you ever lost your breath before, had your breath knocked out of you or whatever? I can remember a million times as a kid, you know, playing with my brother's friends who were three times as big as I was, you know, and getting crushed playing football or army or something. And they just lay in there knowing I was dying, you know, (laughs) or we had the terrazzo floor. And how many of you remember Terrazzo? Plan of the devil. <laughs> Run down that Terrazzo floor and just wipe out, you know, and crash on your head. You know, you just knew I'm not going to make it. You know, somehow I made it. I have a lot of flat spots, but I, <laughs> but I made it. But there's so many things, you know, when you, when you need oxygen and you have to have oxygen, it gets knocked out of you, so to speak. Um, You've got to have it. And there's so many things in life that just kind of knock the courage out of us and we've got to get it back. But just as there's discourage that that prefix there, it's like disbelief or discontent or disable. It takes away the belief, takes away the uh, contentment or the ability or in our case this morning, the courage. It takes it out of you. And folks, listen to me. You cannot afford to be living without courage. And yet we're surrounded. We're in a deluge of things that are coming to just knock the courage out of you. And that's why the centerpiece and the hub and the, and the soundtrack of your life need not be the news. 
Um, you need to pay attention to the news. You need to stay abreast of things. But if that's constantly, you know, some people just leave the news on all the time. That's not going to help you. Plus, you got your three negative friends and you got all the other stuff that goes on. And, it, you know, it can, it can wear you out when you don't have courage. And people are hurting in these days. And that's always been the case. But we're aware of it so much because we're here. Uh, and because of the lateness of the day, so to speak, people are hurting. Their people are hurting more than you know. People are hurting more than they know. And it's our job. It's a major portion of ministry and being believers that we help people to stay encouraged. Everybody needs encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement. And I asked you this earlier, but how many of you need encouragement? And we like it, but also we need it. And this little prefix here in en this puts something back in or put something in so if you entrust or you enshrine or enslave or enthrone or encourage you you put together there and so this is putting courage into us in proverbs 12:25 it says worry weighs a person down anxiety weighs you down but an encouraging word cheers a person up. And it's so important that we have that encouragement. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul and company, uh, they're going around and they're, they're spreading the gospel and they're starting churches and wonderful things are going on. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of persecution, a lot of problems. And you got to realize too, and we talked a lot about this uh, in some previous Wednesday night services where we're studying some of the uh, uh, pastoral epistles and so forth, that Christianity was a brand new thing. This is, there's a whole new way of thinking and living. And it kind of upset the apple cart. Uh, according to the book of Acts, it says those that have turned the world upside down have come here also. And it really was not turning it upside down. It was turning it right side up. But everybody was so used to living upside down. But that's what the kingdom of God does is comes to turn things back the way they're supposed to be. Well, it did not happen just with uh, a bunch of applause and parades and everybody celebrating this. This was this this turned the world in a different way. And so people were were resistant. The kingdom of darkness was resistant against this. And so Paul now is uh, addressing the church at Thessalonica. And they were going through some things, but they were strong believers. And in first Thessalonians chapter three. It reads this, this way. Finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith and to keep you, notice this, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Now, let me break that down just a little bit. They're going through some things and it was the heart because their family, their family of God, and they're invested in one another's lives, knowing that they were going through something. Paul said, we just couldn't stand it any longer. We had to do something to help and to encourage you. And so they sent Timothy. And I think that was a good choice. They sent Timothy to go. And as he goes, this is what he did. He's a co-worker proclaiming the good news of Christ. And as he went, he was sent to strengthen them. And notice this, to encourage them in their faith. And very importantly, you've got to be encouraged so that you are not shaken by the things you go through. 
Because there are things that shake us. How many of you have been all shook up before? Some of you are shook up this morning, you know, and, and, and I don't believe it. I said this service, but if everything is going just fine for you right now, take a picture and throw a party because you've lived enough life to know that everything does not stay that way. It doesn't stay that way. Now you come back around to it. That's the cycle of life. Crisis and process, crisis and process. We're told from studies that the analysis of our average day, approximately 25%, a fourth of your day involves unpleasantries. You know, you got to clean up after the puppy. You got to wait in line. You got to deal with traffic. You got to go see them. You know, all, all the things. There's about 25% of your day that just a normal good day. You've got to, it's a picnic day and you still got ants and threats of rain. The watermelon was good. Yeah, yeah. But um, you got all that going on. Um, and that's just on a regular day. But then you have other things that creep in. There's, there's macro and micro issues. There's national worldwide things. And then there's things that just relate to you and your family and those kind of things. You've got all those things. So listen to me, church. You've got to stay strong in faith. And you've got to stay encouraged, keep courage in you, because otherwise those things will shake you. They will shake you. And so encouragement and having courage in our life is a vital, vital thing. And so the the state that you want to be in is courage, that you have courage. But the process that has to happen is to be encouraged. And so what I'm trying to talk to us about is we all have the ministry of encouragement. You have, not just me. I know that's part of my job, but you have the ministry of encouragement. You have a responsibility. You have a ministry, a God given something to do to help to encourage, to put courage into the people that you come in contact with. Thank you all seven of you. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 Tells us, and let us not neglect our meeting together. And I'm just blessed to see all of you out this morning. We're in summertime and we are cooking. And I'm not talking about temperature, but I'm telling you what, church days affect the rest of our days. And y'all just look around this morning. Thank God. God bless you for doing that. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. And I want to draw out those five words right there. Encourage one another, especially now. Encourage one another, especially now. And it's important that we are about encouragement because life and necessity require, they demand that we have courage in our life. And as I said, we all have a responsibility to encourage people and to make sure that we have positive interactions with the people that we do interact with and the, and the people that we have influence and sway in their life. We need to make sure that it's positive and it's an encouraging thing. And we have a responsibility. Come on. We have a responsibility. There's some people you really don't even know, but they wait on you at restaurants and stores and, and they deliver things to you or you go to their place of business or they come to yours. And you know what you have, hear me church, you have a duty, you have a responsibility to make that a positive impact for you. We kind of pay attention to it. You'll be in a store or a restaurant or whatever. And I realize a lot of times by the time we show up there, they've already been discouraged. People being demanding, people trying to jip them. I mean, even know what jip means. 
you know, not giving them a good tip or whatever. And Christians, will you hear me? Don't give out some lame track that looks like a $50 bill to a waiter or waitress. And then don't give them any money. If you put out a track that shows a fake 50, you better give a real 52. Okay. But you know, Jesus left there. Some of you are looking at me. What are you talking about? There are these old gospel tracks and some people will leave those instead of a tip to a waiter or waitress. And I tell you, you're never going to win them for the Amen. kingdom of God that way. You're never going to win them as clever as that is. So you better tuck a real one in with the, with the fake one to help transport your good news. But people get discouraged all the time. People are rude and demanding and, and short with them and every, everything else. And so when we show up, when you show up, it better, and, and you don't know them, you don't know their life, but you know what? You can do something. You can say something. You can be some way. You can be patient. You, you can just smile. You can say thank you. And you can encourage instead of discourage. Now, never, everybody say never. And I want you to hear me on this. Never. And I got so cranked up on that, I spit on my own glasses. <laughs> All right, rewind. Never. Everybody say never. never. Never be a part of bringing or increasing fear or discouragement in another person. Now, I want you to look at me and hear me on that. Never. Be a part of increasing, bringing or increasing fear or discouragement to another person. How dare you go into another person's life or their, their realm and drain them somehow of courage? Especially in the days that we're in, we have a duty, we have a responsibility. This is vital to the welfare, to some people, their emotional, their mental, their spiritual, their relational well-being. And because we get petty or jealous or competitive or whatever else, we feel like we're going to put somebody down or, or speak our mind. And I just want to say it again. How dare anybody feel that they have the right that I can go in and somehow pull the plug and let some courage come out of somebody to somehow make yourself feel big or better. Never, never be a part of bringing or increasing fear or discouragement to anybody. Can I get an amen from anybody in this place today? When a person loses courage and that's left unchecked, it's the beginning of the end. If a business, if a person, if a team, if a player, they lose courage. Think about a, think about a ball player, basketball player. Maybe he's just not hitting his shot or baseball player. And he just cannot hit the ball lately. And then as he's feeling it, he's aware of it. And then the home, home fans start to boo him. And then the newspaper writes something about it. And then one of the assistant coaches says something in a, in a negative way. And you know what? Courage keeps on going out, keeps on going out, keeps on going out. And if you don't do something to reverse that flow, it's the beginning of the end. Sometimes there's a business or a place or a home or a family. And there's no longer any effort or resources invested at all because they've just gotten so discouraged. And it's the beginning of the end. And so this cannot be left unchecked. It happens. Listen to me. It happens. We all get discouraged. But you don't leave it unchecked. You're going to have to do something. Get with somebody. And listen, if, if the people you have in your life are not big enough to encourage you and to pray for you, you need a whole new crew. You need a new crew. If the only folks around you are negative and everything, you need a new crew. 
especially in these days. Now, encouragement is unique to the family of God and to the fellowship of Christians. Jesus was anointed to bring good news, to proclaim good things to people that were in dire situations. Courage is not absence of problems. Courage is not absence of fear. Courage is heart and it's nerve and it's inner strength. Courage is doing something in the face of pressure and adversity and, and in the presence of pain. It's to have that and it comes from the inside. Here's one good definition of courage and I want to put this on the screen for you. It's mental and moral strength to venture, persevere, or withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, or withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. That's what courage is. And can I tell you something? Courage has great reward. Courage has great reward. And wherever courage shows up and wherever courage stays and wherever courage stands, courage leaves a mark and courage leaves strength and courage leaves inspiration for other people. And let's be a people of courage and people that give courage. Amen. Encouragement is tied to hope. Encouragement is tied to hope. And hope is tied to words. Hope is tied to words. Now, Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing. by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's get that again. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I've taught a lot on this before. It's not, it's not the, my thrust this morning, but I want you to get a hold of this. Faith and fear are opposites. Yet they work on the same principles. They run on parallel tracks in opposite directions. And so whatever works with faith in the opposite works with fear. So if faith comes by hearing, fear also comes by hearing. Your faith or fear rise or fall depending on what you hear and let me also say this, and also depending on what you say, because when you say something, you hear yourself say it. You pull it out of the inside of you. It goes through several systems of you and goes back into you. It drills it into you again. That's why it's good to speak and confess and say the word of God and say what God says about your life. But your faith or your fear is going to rise or fall depending on what you hear. And so it's very important what we hear. It is also very important what we say. Words are the greatest sources of encouragement or discouragement. Get a hold of this church. Words are the greatest source of encouragement or discouragement. You today, me today, all of us today have marks... We have scars somehow on the inside because of what somebody said somewhere along the way. Also, some of us have some confidence and some strength that we've gained because of what somebody said to us along the ways. And so I want to look at words here just for a few moments this morning. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. 
In the Message Bible, it says words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. I hope you see how important this is, how powerful your words are. They're either gift or poison. Think about it. When you talk to somebody, you're giving them a gift or poison. You're giving them life or you're giving them death. Get this. You're either building them up or you're tearing them down with your words. Is anybody here? Are y'all getting this? I'm preaching to you like we only got a half hour left of life and we got to go impact somebody. Hear me. Your words are so powerful. It's like a sharp, sharp, sharp knife. And if you put it in the hands of a skilled surgeon, it can help somebody. But you put it in the hands of a careless child or an angry drunk, you can destroy something. And so that's why we've got to be so, so careful about our words and that we're giving gifts, not poison. We're giving life and not death and we're building up and we're not tearing down. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 15, 23 in the Message Bible, it says, congenial conversation. What a pleasure. The right word at the right time. Beautiful. There's some people I love to talk to. There's some people I love to hang out with. My good friend, Mylon Lefevre, that was with us last week. I hope you can just see a little bit of why I like to talk to a guy like Mylon. Why, why I like to hang out because he's so committed to the love of God and sharing the love of God with other people and with his friends. And, and last, last week we went to lunch after, after service and we're sitting in the restaurant. I had all my kids there and Mylon said, could I just say something to your children? Well, I trust him. And I said, absolutely. And they all just paid attention and they call him Uncle Mylon and he refers to himself as Uncle Mylon. And he just spoke good things. I won't go into it all right now and just blessed them and told them I'm here for you. And I just thought, this is, this is fabulous. We were all crying. Or you can sit down with some people and you've done this before too. Pass this. What is this? How many of you been there? It makes you cry too. (laughs) Our words are so, so powerful. We have a little saying around our house. We raised our kids this way. Build up or hush up. Build up or hush up. Let's try it one more time. Build up or hush up. It's an important, important thing. You got to cheer one another on. Let me go over just real quick this morning. Three types of words. First of all. Well. Give them the commercial spelling there. Light or shallow words. Light or shallow words. These are pleasantries. These are like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Have a great day. How many of you have ever said or used that? Okay. Pleasantries. They, they're vital. They're okay. They don't accomplish that much. But you, do you know what they accomplish that is so absolutely vital? You ready for this? Cheerful connections, cheerful connections, sometimes because of just time, you can't have the long 20 minute conversation with somebody sometimes be just because the level of the relationship right now, maybe you don't know each other well enough, but you know, you can have a cheerful connection. And the the important thing is, is that you be sincere and they don't just, Hey, great. Good to see you. Have a great day. Jesus loves you. And maybe you've seen that before too. 
that you're sincere and you're courteous. Hey, it's good to see you. Have a good day. Uh, to encourage, you look sharp. You're looking good. It's, it's an awesome thing. And you can do that to people. And it's vital because it, it, it takes care of something very, very important. And that is this cheerful connections. It builds them and it maintains cheerful connections. Again, you've just got to make sure that you're sincere and courteous in doing it. I love being around you. I love y'all. I pray for you every day. And before and after service, I like to get out with you and so forth. I wish I could hang out with all of you or most of you. And, and, <laughs> but I can't. Well, what I can is, is, is get, and I'm, I look forward to it. I, I'm actually excited when I leave my office knowing I'm coming down, shake some hands and, and see some people and talk to them. And after service, we're going to go to the door and we greet people and we do all that time because it's energizing to us. It's encouraging to us. We want to encourage you as well. And, and years and years and years ago, I had a very elder uh, uh, minister. I think he's gone on to be with the Lord more decades of experience than probably anybody I know in the ministry. And he said this to me, a shepherd should smell like sheep. So when you, uh, Alicia and I will greet at this South entrance, when you leave here in just, just a little while. And unfortunately I'd just be able to share light and shallow words with you, but we'll be sincere and we'll love you and we'll, and we'll shake your hand and hug your neck, pat you on the rear. And no, no, we don't do it. No, we don't do it. Just joking, unless you want it, you know, just so, so let me know. We're here to encourage. But, you know, that's not the place, even if I'm very, very, very close to you. You know, that's not the place that I could take 20 minutes with you. But I can say, hey, it's good to see you. God bless you. And then people that I barely know or just met or whatever, we can establish and maintain cheerful connection. And it's a very important thing with people, you know, people, you don't know people, you know, dearly. And for a long, long time, or you just met or whatever, it's a very important thing. Don't treat it too lightly, but realize that that is one level of, of communication words. The second one is this death, second type of words, death or discouraging words, death or discouraging words. Let me, uh, let me appeal to you as believers on something here. And I want you to hear this and hear this well, okay? If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, and you really take this serious and believe God said what he means, why would you ever gossip? Why would you complain? Why would you mock someone? Why would you speak condescending or murmur in your home at work i mean there's 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 ways to bring up real real things in your in your church where you shop or what that's uh, you see some people in stores and that's all they're doing is complaining in restaurants complaining people in home complaining you know even in church or your family or wherever it would be you know there's no pleasing everybody 
But all of us have a responsibility that the words that we speak, and this is vital, we should not be using as believers who are alive in God. We've got the life of God in us and on us, and we have a duty. We should never be using death and discouraging words. Gossip, criticism, complaining, mocking, strife, division, negative, condescending, all those kind of things. And we've got to use great care and great caution when we're speaking to other people because there's all kinds of levels of sensitivity. There's some things that you might could say to one person that you couldn't say to another person because you don't know what they've been through. And then other people listen through filters. And this is the big one that gets me. And then some people have not even, they don't even yet have filters and that's children. They don't even have filters yet. And so if you're ever... Speaking to a child and maybe they told a lie. Don't you ever call him a liar. Talk to him about, you you shouldn't lie and this is why. But don't mark them. Don't put kind of some label or mark on me, a little liar. Or if they stole something. You know the first thing I ever stole? You ready for this? A law enforcement badge when I was about six. Awesome. I know, it's kind of doesn't go together. It wasn't a real one. It was a little, little tin badge. But you know what? You get caught stealing something and you're a child. You should be told you don't do this. It's not right. And explain it and say, you little thief. You're probably going to end up in a cage. Loser. Thief. But I want to tell you something. Every one of us, and I talked about this earlier. Every one of us have some marks and some scars and some limitations in our life because people spoke to us and we didn't even have filters yet. We didn't even know anything about filters and assaulted with words. You're this or you're not that or you'll never be this or you'll always be that. And we need to be careful with our words because let me tell you something about words. We need, that's the greatest source of discouragement and encouragement. And hear this loud and clear. Tearing down is devil's work. Tearing down is the devil's work. And when you do, you violate scripture, you damage people, and you grieve the Holy Spirit. You violate scripture, you damage people, and you grieve the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you go, you need to make sure I am not going to speak death. I'm not going to speak discouraging words. And then thirdly and lastly, we are to speak life and encouraging words. Life and encouraging words. Did you know that good words can reroute somebody's whole day? Have you ever had somebody somebody tell you something before and you go, you know, that made my day. Or have you ever said something to somebody before and you're like, thank you, that, that made my day. And if you can reroute a person's day, you know what else you can do? You can reroute their life with the words that you would speak. Ephesians 4.29 says this, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The Message Bible says, say only what helps. Each word is a gift. And then Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how you ought to answer each one. I want to read to you a quote by William Barclay, a Scottish theologian, and this is very, very rich. And I'm going to take my time reading this just real quick. Please listen to this. One of the highest of human duties is the duty of encouragement. 
It is easy to laugh at men's ideas. It is easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It is easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time, a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. Let us be such a people that we speak such a word. And I started with this. Now I want to end with this today. We find in Joshua 1, we find in John 16, that we can take courage. Did you know that you can take courage? Now remember that your maturity is measured by recovery time. And, we've got to, and we're going to learn how over the next, in the next few weeks, how to encourage yourself. And how to not leave yourself discouraged. Don't, don't carry something discouraging into another new day. And, and keep track, keep in check, keep monitoring yourself because you've got to keep this courage. But you can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And you can take courage, but it's also important that I wanted us to really get a hold of this. Not only can you take courage, but you're also to give courage. And before I close this morning, I wanted to do that. I wanted to give you some courage. I want to speak some things over you. And then I want to close with a benediction from Numbers chapter 6. And declare a blessing over you. I want you, if you would, this is as powerful as you'll let it be. Did you just kind of close in, just you and God and my words from Him this morning. And just let these come inside of you. Let them bring courage to you on the inside. You can make it. God will help you. You're not alone. You're not without help. You are never alone. And you are never without help. He will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. He is with you. He is in you. He goes before you. He surrounds you. And his goodness and his mercy are following you. You have a future and you have a hope. It will work out. Don't quit. Hang in there and expect God to act. And from Numbers chapter 6, now may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Church, may you be encouraged and may you also be an encourager. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord.